Well, good morning, Sabine Creek. If you're a guest with us, I heard a few good mornings out there. If you're a guest with us, my name's Shannon. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and we are in the midst of a series entitled Cultivate, in which we've been looking at together the fruit of the Spirit and how they're developed in our life. Uh, we've been looking over the course of the past several weeks at love and joy and peace. And we come to the portion of Galatians 5.22 this morning where the Apostle Paul uh, drills down on the issue of patience. Patience, And so that's what we're going to be looking at together this morning. The text that we're going to unpack together this morning to do so is in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you want to have a copy of the scriptures, you can go ahead and turn there. If not, it'll be on the screen for you as we read together. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes these words to the church at Ephesus. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You know, the basic premise of this particular series that we've been working together uh, on is this, is that there's a difference between a life that's been morally restrained versus a life that's been supernaturally changed. When you think about a morally restrained life, you think about a life that um, has really, uh, religion has uh, set root and has begun to try and change things from the outside in, but a supernaturally changed life sees change developing from the inside out. So as opposed to working outside in, it's working inside out. I can remember as a, as a teenager, my parents asked me what kind of vehicle I wanted for my first car. And so I told them, I had this grand idea that I was going to restore a 1950 Dodge pickup truck. And I can remember finding that Dodge pickup truck out in this old field in South Louisiana. And my dad borrowed a trailer from somebody. We loaded that thing up and brought it home. Uh, eventually, long story short, that truck wound up being sold again before it was ever finished. Um, but I, I can remember the process of going about undertaking the restoration of that truck. You had to tear everything apart down to the bare frame. You had to start from the frame, and you couldn't just take a bunch of spray paint and coat over all the rust that had accumulated on that, that metal over the course of years. Rather, what you had to do is you had to sandblast down to bare metal or grind down to bare metal, or sand down to bare metal, and then coat it with rust proofing, and then come on top of it with primer, and then come on top of it with paint. See, the issue is, if you just try and take the paint and put it on top of the rust, the rust just continues to eat from the inside out. But if you can drill down under the surface and remove the rust and start with bare metal again, then all of a sudden things are a little bit different, aren't they? And when you think about a morally restrained life, a morally restrained life takes the spray paint and tries to coat over, over top of all the rust. So I've got to clean my life up and make myself presentable. But a supernaturally changed life, something happens under the surface. Something, happens, something changes under the surface. And that produces change throughout the entire body as well. So it's the basic premise we've been working with in, in, as we've been working through this series entitled Cultivate. And one of the marks that Paul says um, takes place in the life of someone who's experienced that change under the surface as the Spirit of God has moved in. So it's no longer about religion, now it's about the gospel. The gospel's taken root in a person's life. They've come to faith in Jesus Christ and the Spirit's moved in and changes begin to take place under here that work themselves out here. And Paul says one of the marks that you can recognize supernatural change by is that mark of patience. It's the mark of patience. 
in Galatians 5.22. But what we want to consider together this morning is this. What is the kind of patience that Paul's describing here? And then how is it that it could possibly be counterfeited? Because anything that's genuine can also be counterfeited in some degree or form. All right, so what is patience? How is it counterfeited in our lives at times? And then also, uh, what, why is it so important and how does it get cultivated? So those four things we're going to work through and unpack together this morning. First things first is this, what is patience? And when you think about patience, I think there's two images that are really helpful for us to get our minds around as we think about what patience is. I would say it this way, patience is a long fuse and it's a high threshold, it's a long fuse and a high threshold. When you look in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2 and in Galatians 5.22 where Paul talks about patience, the word that he uses there literally means this. In fact, in some of your older King James translations, it, literally, it has this translation. It says long-suffering. Okay, That word literally means the ability to suffer long, to endure hardship. And when you think about long-suffering, you, you can experience long-suffering in circumstances with difficult circumstances. Or you can also ex- have to suffer long with difficult people. Right? Now, if, if you don't know any of those, uh, come find me afterwards after you know, 20 years of pastoral ministry in some capacity, at some level, at some form. I can introduce you to some this week uh, that can help you apply everything we're going to talk about this morning. Okay, uh, So if you don't know any difficult people, come find me afterwards. I can help you with that. Uh, but we, can, we, we have to suffer long at times, not only in circumstances, but also with people. And that's the angle we want to kind of drill down into this morning a little bit and to consider what, it, what does patience look like with difficult people in our lives? Because we all have difficult people, whether it's a difficult boss at work or it's a difficult child in the home or if it's a difficult person that you get behind who's very slow on their way when you're trying to get somewhere and you're just kind of driving behind them, ready, looking for the very first opportunity to punch it at 80 and take off around them, okay? And you're kind of looking at them like, what are you doing? All right, we all have difficult people that we have to deal with and bear with in our lives. And so what does patience look like there? And I think in that context... Patience looks like this. It looks like a long fuse and a high threshold. Uh, Several weeks ago, whenever we did the 4th of July event out here, uh, Gabe Palos uh, helped us with the fireworks. And I remember Ryan and I showed up at his house with a trailer in my truck, and we loaded a bunch of boxes of fireworks and crates filled with fireworks, and we hauled all those things out here. I can remember watching Gabe coming out and check on him about every hour because he was out there wiring all afternoon to wire up those fireworks. So I asked him about the fuses that he was using. He told me they were timed fuses, and so they would burn for particular lengths of time or rates of speed. So you had like these little one-second fuses that went off during the finale when everything's just kind of blowing up all around you. But then you also had during the slower portions of the presentation, he said you had like 10-second fuses or 12-second fuses or 14-second fuses or 18-second fuses that spread it out a little bit. And so as he wired up all these fuses to this electronic timer, there there were different fuse lengths and different fuse colors for the different durations of time that it took for them to burn to their ending point. And when you think about patience in the life of an individual, particularly as you're dealing with difficult people in your life, patience is long-suffering. It's a long fuse that you have. In other words, it doesn't burn up in an instant. So you don't boil over in a moment whenever you're dealing with difficult people, but rather you have a long fuse that takes a while to burn before you reach to that point of breaking or reach the point of boiling or you reach the end of your fuse. 
You see this as parents in your home with kids. You see it in the workplace with other employees or your employer. You see it all around you in your neighborhood with particular neighbors that you may be backed up against or on the side of. We all have those difficult people that we have to deal with, and patience is a long fuse. We suffer long with people. But it's also a high threshold, a high threshold. I don't know if you know anything about volcanoes. I don't know much about them. All I know is this, is that they erupt at times, don't they? Um, There are times in which they erupt, and the reason that they erupt is this, is because underneath the surface, the pressure continues to build and build and build. And these gases, the pressure of these gases continue to build. To They get to a point where the Earth's crust can no longer contain that molten hot rock and molten hot lava and that, 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 all those gases and all that pressure that's building. So eventually it erupts over the surface, it causes all kinds of damage and all over the place, anything within its radius. And when you think about Patience, it's a long fuse. It takes a while for it to burn down, but it's also a high threshold for pressure internally. Internally. In fact, that's why many of us struggle with patience, isn't it? It's not because of things that are going on out here. It's because of what's going on in here, of what's happening in the heart. Patience is a high threshold for pressure in here, in a long fuse that takes a long time to burn down with people around us. I think it's important that we stop at this point and recognize the fact that when you think about this kind of patience, it's dependent upon what we talked about last week as we considered peace. Those of you who were with us last week, you might remember we talked about peace being this inner calm, that there's a, there's a, there, there, there's a stillness to the waters of our soul no matter how high the waves of circumstances around us are crashing around. There's a calmness in our soul, no matter how chaotic it is around us. And listen, if there's a calmness in your soul, if there's a real peace that exists internally, then your fuse is going to be a lot longer and your threshold for pressure is going to be a lot higher if you're calm in the midst of those circumstances. See, it's important to recognize that when Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, he's not, he doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit as if you can have one of these things but not the others. He says all, all nine of these marks are not independent of each other, but they're interdependent upon each other. So that you can't say, oh, yes, I, I, my life has been supernaturally changed because I am a very self-controlled person, but yet you have a rigid self-control and you have no joy. You have no love or gentleness with people. You're very legalistic and hard-nosed and very disciplined in your life, but you have no love or gentleness. Or the same can be true. You're very gentle and kind and sweet with people, but you're not very dependable or faithful. See, all these things are interrelated. They're not independent. You can't pull them apart. And what Paul says here is maybe there's a reason there's a sequence here. Love, joy, peace, this internal calm that produces this long fuse and this high threshold in our lives with difficult people. Now, The only way that you know how high your threshold is or how long your fuse is is when it gets tested, isn't it? Isn't that true? You never know how long the fuse is until somebody lights it. And you never know how high your threshold is until you begin to feel the pressure bubbling up. In fact, Francis of Assisi said it this way. He said, how much interior patience and humility a servant of God may have cannot be known so long as he is contented, so long as everything is calm and good around him. But when the time comes that those who ought to please him go against him 
as much patience and humility as he then shows, so much has he and no more. Found that interesting. You never know how patient of a person you are until that patience is tested. You never know how long the fuse is until somebody lights it or how high the threshold is until the pressure begins to build. Until those who should content you, those who should be for you and on your side wound you. They turn their backs on you. They become disagreeable with you. They become difficult people to handle. You never know how high your threshold is or how long your fuse might be until you have a difficult person to deal with. But Paul says one of the marks of a life that's truly being renovated from the inside out, not the outside in, is that even with difficult people, you exhibit patience. Patience. Now, this patience can be counterfeited, just like a, a bill in your wallet, okay, may be able to be counterfeited by someone. And patience can be counterfeited as well. It might look like patience externally, but in reality, it's not true patience. So what are the counterfeits of patience, this kind of long fuse and high threshold? A couple of counterfeits of patience I want you to consider this morning, are, there are two of them. First is apathy, and the second is avoidance when it comes to difficult people. Apathy and avoidance. Now, apathy may look like patience on the surface, and here's why. It's because you and I are willing to give people that we really don't care for and we're really very indifferent towards, we're willing to give them a lot of slack if we have nothing emotionally tied up with them, if we have no care or concern for them, if we do not love them and are not pursuing their good, we're willing to give them all kinds of rope to go hang themselves. We're very patient with those kinds of people that we don't care for. And so what may look like patience at the surface in someone's life may just be the fact that they really could give a rip about, who, about that other person. So they're willing to give them all kinds of slack and all kinds of rope. But I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 2, he says that patience, how is it exercised? He says it's exercised in love. In other words... In other words, with difficult people in our lives, there is a commitment that we must have. If we have true patience, remember patience is born, all these fruit are interrelated. So you got love and joy and peace and patience. So you actually love and are committed to the well-being and committed to the welfare and committed to the, meeting the needs of people that are difficult and disagreeable. You actually love those people. And as you love those people, all of a sudden this concern begins to grow in your heart for them. So it's not apathy. It's not that I'm indifferent towards people and so I'm willing to, to wait them out and suffer long on account of them. No, Paul says that it's exercised in love. In love. So you're working for the good of difficult and disagreeable people. And you're suffering long because of it. It's not apathy and nor is it avoidance. It's not avoidance either, because what looks like patience on the surface is really just not bearing with, but running from difficult people. Right? We've all been there before, I'm sure, as opposed to bearing up underneath the, the disagreement or the difficulty. We just kind of backpedal and run away from the disagreeable or difficult person. But it's not avoidance. Paul doesn't say, he doesn't say with all humility and gentleness and Avoidance, 
bear with one another, avoid one another. What does he say? He says, bear with them. In order to bear with them, you have to maintain some kind of relationship with that person. You can't bear with someone whenever they're exclusively always out of your presence because you make sure they're always out of your presence. Whether they've hurt you, whether they've disagreed with you, whether they've caused pain or difficulty in your life, it's not, Paul says it's not avoidance. That's not patience. It looks like it on the surface because you're not bubbling over, but the only reason you're not bubbling over is because you're avoiding that person altogether. And you're putting distance, Grand Canyon-sized distance between you and that other person who's made life difficult for you. So it's not apathy and it's not avoidance, the Apostle Paul says. Rather, it's the bearing with people. Even though they've made your life difficult, you're still maintaining relationship. You're still trying to work through that as opposed to impulsively running for the hills. That's our natural impulse, isn't it? Maybe that's just me. But it's our natural impulse to run for the hills. It's not avoiding them, and it's not stepping back going, I don't care about them. They can do whatever they want. No, I love them. I want to meet their needs. I want to step into this with them. So patience, bearing with one another in love. Long fuse, high threshold. Let me tell you why this is so important. This is absolutely vital. And here's why. Because patience maintains unity. Bearing with one another in love maintains unity. It maintains unity in your home. <laughs> right? Because sometimes the difficult person, and I'll just speak for me, right? sometimes the difficult person in my home is me. And my wife has to bear with me in order to maintain unity in our home. Sometimes the difficult person right, in your office space is you. And other people have to bear with you to maintain unity, or you have to bear with others to maintain unity. And maintaining unity isn't maintaining uniformity. It's not that we all agree on everything. It's not uniformity, but unity, even in the midst of disagreements, requires a long fuse and requires a high threshold. Right? I want you to consider what the Apostle Paul says further down in the text. He says in verses 2 to 6, uh, as, uh, in verses 2 to 6, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul's talking there about the oneness of the church, that we're together, that we're all on the same team. And he says, if you want to maintain unity, even with people that you may disagree with, that may have made life difficult for you, you're going to have to bear with them. You're going to have to do it not in, by avoiding them and not by not caring about them, but by caring about them deeply, pursuing their good, pursuing their welfare, helping to meet their needs, and yet maintaining a sense of forbearance with them and suffering long on account of them because of their disagreements and difficulties. Now, Paul doesn't say this kind of patience generates unity in the church. He says it maintains it. Paul's already talked about what generates it back in Ephesians chapter 2, where he talked about the very fact that what God has done between Jew and Gentiles, he's knocked down a wall, and he's brought people from all different backgrounds together into this one body called the church. Now, do you think people are coming from all different kinds of backgrounds and different political perspectives and different uh, 
convictions of conscience who are coming together into this one body. There's going to be some disagreements. There's going to be some difficulties. But in order to maintain the unity that God has generated through the gospel of knocking down all the walls that would separate us, to maintain that kind of unity requires patience. It requires a long fuse and a high threshold. It doesn't mean that we're always going to agree, but it means that when we disagree, we don't do it by boiling over, erupting, and exploding. Right? So when we have a disagreement, here's how patience helps maintain unity, whether it be in the home or in the church or in the office, wherever we are. If you are able to bear with other people in love, then even when they disagree with you or you disagree with them, then you're able to disagree with them respectfully by not boiling over are not erupting because the pressure isn't building inside because there's this internal calm. There's a peace at the center of your soul. And so you don't boil over. You don't just verbally vomit all over them with whatever it is that's on your mind. Rather, you choose your words carefully as you enter into dialogue and you do it respectfully. So that even at the end of the day, if you walk away saying, we agree to disagree on this particular issue, and that unity can be maintained because you haven't acted like a two-year-old who's trying to pitch a fit to get their way. See, this kind of patience is vital in the life of a church to help maintain unity. That we're all on the same team. We're all pushing toward the same end, working for the same goals, serving the same master. Listen to... Uh, Listen to what Ignatius of Antioch, one of the early church fathers, said. He said, labor together with one another, compete together, run together, suffer together, die together, rise up together as God's managers and assistants and servants. Keep your baptism as weaponry, your faith as a helmet, your love as a spear, your endurance as a full set of armor. Let your works be your wartime deposits. Then he goes on to say, be patient, therefore, with one another. In other words, if you're going to labor together, if you're going to fight together, if you're going to compete together, if you're going to be bound together in that capacity where you're all pushing toward the same goal, toward the same ends, with the same purposes, he says there's going to be disagreements along the way and you've got to be patient with each other. The fastest way, the fastest way to defeat an opposing force is to cause division from within. And one of the fastest ways to cause division from within is to erupt and explode when there's disagreements. Paul says this kind of patience maintains unity in the church. And I want to see us be a church that is all together on the field, competing together, loving each other, sacrificing with each other, doing all of this together, unified. Even though we might have different, polit- have different political perspectives and different convictions of conscience in particular areas, that we all have our hands on the boulder and we're pushing it down the field, generating momentum to see what God would do because we're working together to do it but it requires patience, a long fuse, and a high threshold. Now, if that's the case, then how does this get produced in our lives? How is it cultivated? How do we grow in patience, right? You've probably all heard the old adage, don't pray for patience, because if you do, God's going to test it, okay? But the reality is you never know how much of it you have until it gets tested, and it needs to be tested so that it can be cultivated, can be cultivated. So how does it get cultivated? 
Two things I'll leave you with this morning. First is this. The way this gets cultivated is by us remembering our call and remembering the one who's called us. Remembering your call and remembering the one who's called. You look at what Paul says in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Worthy of that calling to which you've been called. And what's the call? He goes further down in verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. Paul says, what you've been called to is to live life together in the church. And Paul says, there should be an eagerness about you to want to maintain unity in the church. You've got to remember your call. If you're a Christian here this morning, you need to remember your call. God has called you, not just so that you and him can go out in the woods together and hang out and have fun and, and he can heal all your hurts and all of your difficulties and all your trials, but he's called you not just to have this vertical relationship, but he's called you to have this vertical relationship that influences all of these horizontal relationships with other people in the church. That's what he's called you to. That's what he's called me to. We've got to remember that every time that we come to a, a, a division point with someone over a disagreement or a difficult person in our lives, we've got to remember that God's called us to unity, not division. There are some things over which we should divide doctrinally when those things are infringed upon, but everything else we should show forbearance and long-suffering with. You've got to remember your call, but also you've got to remember the one who's called you. There's one God, one Father, who is over all. You gotta remember who's called you. And you know what you gotta remember most of all about the one who's called you? What I've gotta remember most of all about the one who's called me? I've gotta remember his forbearance and patience with me. I've gotta think on that every morning when I get up and I'm entering into a difficult conversation with a difficult person. Every morning when I get up and I'm trying to resolve a disagreement, i got to remember that the one who has called me has shown a great, great deal of forbearance and patience and has suffered long on account of me. The Bible's pretty clear about that. From the Old Testament to the New, in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, Moses writes these words, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He's got a long fuse. He's got a long fuse. Notice what else the New Testament says about this God who has called us in 2 Peter 3.9. When Peter's speaking of everyone thinking that Jesus, is he ever going to come back? Is ever God going to ever fulfill his promises? And listen to what... Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He's got a long fuse for his wrath. One day that fuse is going to come to an end. But right now it's still burning. It's still burning. And he's still waiting. He's still showing patience. He's showing patience to you. He's showing patience to me. That we might show patience to one another. There's a story that Jesus tells in Matthew's gospel in Matthew chapter 18 about these two servants, one who owed the king 
an inestimable amount of money. When commentators look at how much the talents that he owed this king were, they say it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't a loan. He probably mismanaged business practices and caused his king to lose millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. So he comes before the king and he asks for grace. And the king extends grace. And then he goes out and he finds another servant who owes him what, with what compared to what he owed the king, it's like peanuts, right? It, it costs as much as a bag of peanuts on a Southwest flight, all right? That's what he owes the king. That's what this other servant owed him. And he shakes him down, throws him into jail in order to receive what he needs or what he wants from this other servant. So the king calls him back in and he says, how can you, who have been shown so much forbearance, so much long-suffering, so much grace and mercy, not also demonstrate that to others who are around you. And I would look myself in the mirror and ask that very same question. As should you. How is it that we, as God's people, who, have been, who God has been so patient with, how is it that our fuses are so short? How is it that our fuses are so short with our kids? Our fuses are so short with our Spouses, Our fuses are so short with those that we supervise in the office. How is it that our fuses are so short with other church members, other people in our life group, so that we bounce from life group to life group to life group because we've exploded and erupted all over one. So we move to the next and move to the next and move to the next because our fuses are so short. How is it that our threshold for pressure is so low that we erupt all over everyone all the time? See, it's not just about what's coming out of here because what's coming out of here is coming from the heart. There's something askew here if you're constantly erupting and exploding. And the only way to change what's going on here, there's not a three-step process for that, is there? (laughs) Unfortunately, there's not. There's not a how to change your heart for dummies handbook at Barnes & Noble's, okay? The only way to change what's going on in here is for you to think and meditate and reflect on this God who has shown you so much patience. So much patience that you would think constantly, constantly about God's long-suffering with you. And as you think and think and think. You don't shut your mind off. We talked about this last week. You turn it on and you think about God's long-suffering with you. You will begin to find that your fuse gets longer and your threshold gets higher. And you're able to bear with one another in love. The final thing I'll say this morning is this. If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. Let me just say this. You have no hope of developing this kind of patience. You have no hope of developing this kind of long-suffering with difficult people in your life. You have no hope of it apart from faith in Jesus Christ. One Puritan pastor said it this way. His name is John Flavel. He said, all other graces like birds in the nest depend upon what faith brings into them. Take away faith and all the graces languish and die. Joy, peace, hope, patience, and all the rest depend upon faith. See, without faith in Jesus Christ and seeing God's patience with you, if you're still plowing forward, you think, God doesn't need to be patient with me. You know what that's called? It's called pride. 
And if your pride has never been broken, you think, why would God be patient with me? I'm perfect. I don't need him to be patient with me. I'm a pretty good dude. I'm a pretty good gal. God hasn't shown me any patience. Then what happens is you continue to roll down that road. And because you think you're here, you continue to erupt and explode on everyone who you perceive to be down here. That you're better than them. You're stronger than them. You're wiser than them. You're smarter than them. They should just see things the way that you see them. And so you continue to erupt and explode on everyone else that you esteem to be lesser or lower than you because pride is driving that. See, the only way that you can have this kind of patience this morning if you're not a Christian is if you will lay down your pride and you will look to Jesus Christ in faith. Say, I see the great patience that God shown, has shown toward me in his son at the very cost of his son that he suffered long. And Jesus himself suffered long on account of me. The band's going to come and they're going to lead us in a song this morning as we reflect and conclude our time of worship together. And as they do, if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, I would encourage you. I'll be in the back. Come find me. I'd love to talk to you about what it is to lay down your pride and place your faith in Jesus so that you might develop this long fuse and this higher threshold.